In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. So the world usually likes to say that, like, after December 25th, Christmas is over. But for us Catholics, Christmas just began. So keep eating your pacha and your dolma and all the sweets and, and the 25 cakes that I already ate. I feel like a piece of cake right now. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it was kind of rough waking up this morning. So you guys are some real ones for being here. So let's, I'm clapping for you guys for waking up today. Today... We celebrate the, the, the feast of the, the first Sunday of the Nativity, but also we celebrate the Feast of Mary. This is only a Chaldean feast. This feast is called the, the Felicitation of Mary. Now, Felicitation simply means to congratulate. So today in the Chaldean Church, we have this tradition that once a mother gives birth to a child, you go and you congratulate her, you bring her a gift. That's what we do. And even now in America, America's like taking this on and now like moms get like a push gift, right? Like the mom gets a gift because she pushed for a baby, right? Well, it's not exactly the same. Mary is completely beyond this, right? Mary gives birth to God himself. And so we bring a gift to congratulate Mary. That's exactly what the Magi did in the gospel. We hear the Magi, they come to bring Christ a gift. And I think that there is no greater gift that we can give to Mary to congratulate her than to find Jesus in her arms. There's no greater gift that we can give Mary than to search diligently for Jesus and to find Jesus in her arms in particular, specifically in Mary's arms. Now, the Magi did this, and, and what's so beautiful is that the Magi go on this journey, they sacrifice so much, all for what? I mean, here they are, let's look at their story. These Magi are men of, of royalty, and the men are from the east, and, and they're part of the royal courts, which means that they have lots of comfort, they have luxury, um, and they're considered to be advisors to kings because they would study the skies, they would study the stars in order to try to understand God's signs or the signs of the heavens. So they see the star, and this star for them tells them, and we don't know exactly what the star was. We don't know if it's a meteor. We don't know if it was a comet. We don't know if it was a conjunction of different planets. We have no idea. But what we know is that the way that they were interpreting the star was that the star was telling them that the king of the Jews was to be born. Now, why would they care? These are non-Jews. They're probably uh, Zoroastrians. They're probably technically like Chaldeans. Uh, and they're from the east. So why would they care to come and bring gifts and to worship a Jewish king. Well, these men were wise men. That's why we call them wise men. They were seeking truth. They were seeking something beyond them. Even though they had wealth, they had status, they had luxury, they had everything, it wasn't enough. They got to a point where the luxury 
the comfort, all of the status and all of that got old. I don't know about you guys, but it can get pretty old, can it? Luxury, materialism, status, the scene, being in the scene, it gets old. It got old for them. They were seeking more. They wanted something that was going to actually satisfy them. And so they were willing to put the effort, to put the work into it, and not just put work into it, but really sacrifice their whole entire lives. These men go on a six-month to maybe even up to a year journey. They give up their comforts. They give up their pleasures. And they go searching. Now, it's not like they were taking, like, Delta first class. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean... These are like, they're sitting on donkeys, they're probably sitting on camels, they're sitting on horses, and they're traveling. They probably have to, like, stay in little tents. All for what? Now, look at the humility that they have. Unlike Herod, who when he hears that there's about to be a king born, what does he do? He freaks out. Because he's filled with himself. He's threatened. He's threatened because he doesn't want to lose his power. He doesn't want to lose his status. He doesn't want to lose his luxury. He doesn't want to lose the riches that he has. It's a threat. And so these men, in their humility, are willing. They don't care about it anymore. They're willing to let it go. And they go searching. And as they go searching, they go on this this long journey, which really, my brothers and sisters, is symbolic for our conversion, our story. The world is very enticing. The world has many lights. Just like the wise men saw the star, and they followed this star, even though technically it's not how we imagine it. It's not like this star was like this, like you know, magical star that was like somehow like guiding them exactly to where the house is. That's not exactly how it was. It just says that when they found the child, they found the star and it rested on the very place where they found the child. So this whole idea of them like following the star technically is, is, is not accurate. This light, though, they knew was from God. God met them where they were at. I mean, here they are. These are, these are uh, astrologists. And so God speaks their language to bring them to Him. They followed His light. The world has many lights. The world is shiny. The devil, my brothers and sisters, he appears in light. And that, my brothers and sisters, is why so many people are losing their way because the devil is very good at what he does. He's creative. He's a very smart being. And he knows how to... Unfortunately, we fall for it. He knows how to, how to play us, how to manipulate us, just like Herod did. Herod came in and he manipulated the kings. Oh yeah, I want to worship him too. Please tell me where he is. Sneaky and cunning. That, my brothers and sisters, is how the devil works. And he knows what lights 
catch our eyes. He knows if it's greed. He knows if it's lust. He knows if it's jealousy, if it's pride. He knows what lights work to catch our attention and to entice us and to make us follow His light. That really is false light that leads us only in the darkness. And so what light, my brothers and sisters, are we following? And are we sure that the light that we're following is really from God? The world is shiny. Diamonds bling. <laughs> it does. Which light are we following? And which light are we willing to give up everything for? Many people are giving up everything for the false lights of the world. Giving up their soul. People are just in droves leaving. Leaving Christianity. The world doesn't care about God anymore. And there's a slight type of atheism even in our Chaldean Catholic culture. There is this fight, my brothers and sisters, between the luxury and the pleasures of the world and following God. Jesus says you cannot serve two masters. That's a reality. Now, is it a sin to have luxuries? Is it a sin to have those things? Of course not. However, Jesus says that it is very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Not because riches in and of themselves are a sin, but because of what riches can do to man's heart. They blind us. They blind us so badly. They make us become dependent on them. They make us want them. They make us motivated for this. We become dependent on this. It becomes our God in a sense. It becomes our idol. Is that what we were made for, my brothers and sisters? Were we made on this earth just to make a million dollars? Because it seems like that's all anybody cares about these days. It just seems like that's what all that matters nowadays. What we have, how much money we have, what our cars look like, what this looks like, what party you threw, and how much money you spent on your party. I mean, like, it's getting old. When are we going to get tired of it, is my question. When are we going to rise above it and say, you know what, these things are here, they're gone tomorrow, they're going to stay. I want more. I want Jesus. I want to worship God before everything. I don't want to worship the world. I don't want to worship false idols, false gods. I don't want to worship the lights of the devil. I want to worship God himself. Because that's where I'm going to find peace. It's in God, my brothers and sisters, that we find peace. And, and it's so easy for us to forget it because each and every day the devil's got a new strategy with us. He's trying something new each and every day. The kings, or the magi, what they do is they come, they sacrifice everything, they find Jesus, and when they find Jesus, what happens? They experience such a peace, such a joy, such a love, that they realize, they gain this wisdom that tells them, I'm not going to go back to Herod. I'm not going to fall for the devil's tricks anymore. I'm not, gonna, I'm not enticed by the devil anymore, which is, Herod really symbolizes the world and, and the devil. 
So they don't, they don't fall for Herod's trick anymore. They take, it says, they take another route home. Because they gained a wisdom. They gained something that they didn't have before. When you and I finally meet Jesus, and we can meet him here in this world, I'm not talking about just in heaven. When we find Jesus, and that's a journey, it's okay, it takes time, little by little, when we begin to truly experience him, we no longer are enticed by the, the lights of the world anymore. We, we want to take another route. We don't care anymore. We're like, that doesn't work, Satan. It doesn't work anymore. The parties and, and wanting to fit in and the money and the sex and the drugs and the this and the that, you fill in all the blanks. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for me anymore. I don't care. So what are we doing how are we going out of our way each and every day, like the Magi, to find Jesus? When they found Jesus, they, they brought the best of them. I mean, these, were, these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, these are the gifts that they would actually offer their, their uh, pagan gods. So now they're taking what they used to worship, and they're now bringing it to Jesus. And they're saying, Jesus, only you are worthy of all of my worship. Only you, Jesus, are worthy of everything. The best of me, Jesus, you are worthy of it. And they give it to him. They fall at his feet. They fall on their knees saying, the world matters nothing to me anymore, Jesus. You are all that matters. They give him, they give him gold for a king. And they say basically in this, Lord, you are my king. You have all power and authority over me. And it is you, Lord. It is you that I'm going to worship and I'm going to follow and I'm going to listen to. What part of our lives have we still not given to Jesus power and authority? What part of us are we saying, no, Jesus, you can have power and authority over this, but you can't have this. Frankincense. Frankincense is, 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 is deity, is, is what they offered in, 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 just like what we do in the Mass, this incense. What are we worshiping or what idols do we have today that are holding us down from really making God our number one? Whatever it might be, it's different for all of us. And myrrh, they offer myrrh. So, which is a very, uh, a very bitter, which symbolizes Christ's suffering and his passion. Are we willing, the devil will usually tell you, you don't want to follow God because if you follow God, you're going to have to suffer. So don't follow God. Jesus just wants you to suffer. <laughs> it's all a lie. However, nobody can escape suffering. It doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what you are. Can anybody escape suffering in this world? No. However, when we suffer with Jesus, so much different. So much different because He brings meaning and grace from our suffering. Are we willing to offer Him our crosses each and every day? Or are we continuously complaining? Com continuously looking for the grass that we think is greener on the other side? Or are we willing to accept the crosses? in our lives and give it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm going to worship you. That's, my brothers and sisters, what Mary did. And that's what we're celebrating today. 
We should turn to Mary today. Mary, who had all of the room, her heart was completely vacant for God alone. Let's turn to Mary today. Mary is called the Star of the Sea. Did you know that? That That's one of her titles? Because the stars, when when they were at sea, when people were at sea, would guide them, would, would help them find their way home. Mary is that star for all of us. She is the mother that leads us to Jesus. And we cannot find Jesus without first going to Mary. When we go to Mary, Mary shows us the secrets that for 30 years, my brothers and sisters, Jesus lived alone with Mary. Why didn't he start his ministry at age 20? And maybe he could have saved hundreds or thousands of more people. But he chose to remain for 30 years in silence with Mary. What are the secrets that Mary knows that you and I will never know unless we turn to her? So today... Let us turn to congratulate Mary and to offer Mary the gift of worshiping her son. To really this week, to change our schedule around. If we don't change our schedule around some, some little way to make God number one, then we haven't entered that journey yet. So let's ask Mary today for that grace to truly sacrifice, to truly change our each and every day to search and to find the baby Jesus and worship him in the arms of Mary. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit.